0: cord is caught around the chair or something. Do you
1: see what that's caught around? Uh-uh.
0: Oh. Is it the... I'll probably just gag myself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> is it wrapped around
0: the robot? Probably. So you're probably wondering, Josh, why there's so much crap over here.
1: It, it crossed my mind. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, yesterday, we're already going to start out with a little story for our listeners about my frustration I had yesterday. Welcome to it. Welcome to Mr. Ink, where you're going to hear... Shane's little sappy story about yesterday. <laughs> so sometimes in life, things don't go as planned, right? Oh, yeah. Well, yesterday I was talking to Wendy, who, you know, Wendy has been on our show before. She's the
1: the Brit. Hello, puppet. Thank you for my gnomes, Wendy.
0: <laughs> yes. So Wendy was on the show. She talked about her aunt being murdered by the hitman. Wendy helps me with foul play crime series. But anyway, so I was talking with Wendy yesterday. We were working through a podcast season coming up. And back in, I think, September of last year, I interviewed this author who was driving through town. He's originally from the southern part of Illinois near St. Louis. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he's driving through town. And it just worked out that he was able to stop here in our studio so I could record an interview with him.
1: Yeah, I remember that. Yeah.
0: Well, the interview was like an hour and a half, maybe two hours long. Really good conversation, very natural, very good content. Super excited to have it. Wendy goes to listen to the interview. So we're talking yesterday and she's like, hey, I went to go listen to that interview. It's really good. But I noticed it kind of cut off after 15 minutes. What's up? Oh, crap. And I thought, well, that's not right because I know I talked to him for more than 15 minutes. What's going on? So I looked, sure enough, only 15 minutes has been uploaded. So it was a bad export, right? And I thought, well, no problem. I'll just re export it. I'll just grab a soundboard out and re export it. About a week ago, that soundboard had ran out of room of memory. And I had deleted that memory. So that entire interview, except the first 15 minutes, that's just like the getting to know you i know and so it's like oh gone no cloud or nothing i know and i don't want to re-interview him because it was such a good conversation because it was the first time we had really spoken about the topic so we're gonna find a good plan b and just go from there you know you just sometimes have to just figure it out and plan as you go but So yesterday, for a good hour, I was just Uh, like, are you kidding me? So Where
1: is it? Where is it? Yeah, so
0: that's why I have this board out, and I was going through trying to figure it out. And then I was double-checking our other boards around here to make sure I didn't switch out the memory. So, uh,
1: yeah, that was a little frustrating. That really bites. I hate that. I am really bad, or I guess really good at just, I always save stuff multiple times because I'm so nervous, like... What if it just disappears?
0: Yeah. Well, normally I am good at that. However, the problem was the export was bad. Oh. So Josh, this is the older model of our board. The one that which took is, forever. Yeah. So it takes forever to export. And because it was a long conversation, the export probably took a good hour, maybe two hours mm-hmm. to export. So I likely just started the export, walked away, came back, and then dropped it into... Uh, cloud folder or something right and i didn't ago. check it you know i didn't check it which i probably should have but it probably took so long it was already late that right i was just ready to go
1: home i'm not waiting another hour <laughs> yeah
0: so that has been lost
1: well she yeah so it's gone so that was my day yesterday <laughs> that sucks it's always the ones where you get like just the perfect take like everything went great and it was just such a good take of it i know those are the ones that'll go missing
0: i know but we'll figure it out and it'll sound great and no one will ever know the wiser except the mystery ink listeners who will who might be listening to foul play also and who will listen to that series and you'll you'll know
1: you're like ah yeah
0: i wonder what this would sound like if we actually had that interview (laughs) (laughs) they'll be
1: commenting that interview would have been really nice and that series would have been really nice.
0: I will also say, Josh, so with Foul Play Crime Series, of course, it's a series podcast, and people are always indecisive listeners, right, about the length of seasons. Mm. So they just can't decide, like, what length of episodes they care for.
1: You want it short or long.
0: Yeah, so the episode lengths are normally around 20 minutes is what I try to keep it to for each episode. And... I always kind of laugh because whenever I get reviews come in, sometimes people are like, oh, I wish these were longer or I wish these were shorter. (laughs) And normally they'll come in right after another. Yeah. So like one day one will say one and the next day another will say another.
1: It's like, good thing I don't change the whole show based (laughs) on a review, you know. You'd be constantly changing it back and forth. Just constantly out of
0: backlash.
1: (laughs) Can't. People just appreciate what they have. I know.
0: Did I tell you? So I was hanging out with Kim over the weekend, and we were driving around.
1: Do you know if she got my card?
0: She did, yeah. Oh, good, good. Yeah, yeah, she loved it. Why don't you tell people what you sent her?
1: Oh, I sent her a get well soon card that it was a beautiful, like, vintage-looking card, and it said... At least it's not syphilis.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she said she laughed for a really long time. Good. (laughs) Yeah, so Kate was feeling pretty good, so she asked if we could hang out because she wants to come back on the show sometime in the future. Oh, good. So she wanted me to go hang out with her and go explore a mystery that she wants to cover when she comes on the show.
1: Oh, that cemetery or graveyard.
0: Yeah, so we did go to a cemetery, but that wasn't where our mystery happened. But anyway, so we did go to where our mystery happened, and we did some exploring. So anyway so one of the things that we did while i was in muncie was we went by the old apartment that i had where those two older ladies lived below me and i took a picture and I uploaded the photo to patreon along with photos of that day that kim and i were hanging out but oh my gosh so the apartment it it hasn't changed a whole lot it's definitely not been kept up with so it's in kind of rough shape but The neighborhood is a really rough neighborhood. So just imagine a Tesla Model X mystery machine (laughs) driving around the neighborhood. Yeah, and I couldn't for the life of me remember what street it was.
1: Oh, so you're just driving around?
0: Yeah. So Kim and I are driving around in this mystery machine Tesla Model X, right? And all these people are just staring at us, you know, wondering why we're in the hood, right? (laughs) And Kim's like, "What street do you think it was on?" And I said, "I well, I don't remember, but." I think we turn when we get to the house that had all the dog fights.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah, because
0: they used to get, like 911 used to get caught a lot at this house because they would have a lot of like pit bulls that would be fighting outside.
1: Lord have mercy. See, I don't like to think I'm uppity, but I am a lot more uppity than you. Because if I went to go look at a place and I got to go by, just past the dog fight house. I ain't living here.
0: At that time of my life, I was looking for cheap, (laughs) and that was cheap.
1: I gotta have safe too. Well. Who am I gonna fight?
0: <laughs> sometimes Safe is expensive. Right, yeah. Yeah. And, and Safe was expensive at that time. But that was cheap <laughs> and case. Hey, the dogs wouldn't get me if I was in my house yeah. and up the stairs. <laughs> and, and but I did have to worry about those two older women who I didn't see there. Oh god. Oh, so maybe
1: they're not bothered anyone else. Kinda wish they were like Outside too, I would roll down the window and I would have or something. Look at me now, y'all have (laughs) Get some. How you like me now? Right. I don't
0: even know what I would have done. Flipped him off or something. I don't know. Like just suddenly some rage
1: come across. I don't even know. Let the trauma out. (laughs) It's nice, I must say. Yeah i would have if i <laughs> although shane's a lot nicer than i am most of the time <laughs> i would have been hanging out that window that's what you heifers <laughs> heifer is my mike friendly yeah. cuss word that had, and jesus had you ever gone to that apartment when i lived there i don't remember i remember you texting me about mm-hmm. your altercation with the women but i don't think, think i ever made it to it yeah, i don't think so quite nervous <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't have, like, it was a small, really small
0: apartment, and, you know, when you have apartments at that price range, there's not a washer and dryer, oh, so yeah. I had a really small washer and dryer that you had to hook up to, like, the kitchen sink. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, like, it had this little spin dryer, and then you have <laughs> to hang up your clothes, and Aww. absolutely horrible, horrible right. thing, but, I mean, it worked. Cleans your clothes, you mm-hmm. know?
1: better than putting them all in the bathtub and <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> go grab the wooden spoon <laughs> yeah yep
0: yeah. I, I knew Kim at that time I think I had just met Kim when I had that apartment so she came over a couple times and so she had met them and so actually when Kim was listening through the episode she texted me and she's like oh my gosh I remember those crazy old ladies because <laughs> she would come by and you know she came to the apartment once but she would remember you know, picking me up. And those ladies would always just watch out the window, watch me just through the blinds. Oh, I hate that.
1: Mind your business.
0: Yeah. So she always wasn't a fan. So
1: I had my old landlord that would do that. She lived, you know, right next to me mm-hmm. or right across the yard. And she'd sit at her kitchen table and look out <laughs> her double door windows that faced my house and She would just watch. Sometimes the mailman would come in a different car and she'd call me. There's someone at your house. I'm like, I know it's the damn mailman. Or sometimes I'd have a gentleman call her over late at night and and my phone would start ringing and she'd be calling me. I saw someone go in your house. I'm like, I know. I let him in. He's going to leave in a minute. Bless her heart. just, you know, you don't want your elderly landlady to right. know of your comings and goings. <laughs> right.
0: No, bless her. Well, the episode comes out, Josh, on October 1st. Yes. Yeah. Oh,
1: I can't believe September's almost over. I
0: know. Well, when it comes out, that's also the day that I come back from CrimeCon. So when people are hearing this episode, I'll be back. I leave in two days. Yes. No, I leave tomorrow. But by the time you're hearing this, I'll already be back from Florida.
1: Florida.
0: Yeah. But he won't be tan. He ain't going outside.
1: It's hot out there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I'll be be back from Florida, back to Indiana, where we're having fall weather. It's very cool outside. I'm loving it. Notice the 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 nice cardigan Mm -hmm. I have on.
1: (laughs) The ankle boots and long argyle socks.
0: yes. But for October 1st, for the day that this podcast comes out, we do have some fun things for our listeners.
1: Yes. You can find my nudes at W. (laughs) (laughs) You can support Josh. (laughs) I apologize in advance.
0: That's hilarious.
1: (laughs) I'm not big on exercise. It's hard. (laughs) I know it's beneficial, but my God, it
0: hurts. I feel like this mic keeps moving. It's not. It's me. Oh, you keep
1: adjusting. Yeah, I keep like moving down in my seat. I know these chairs are big and comfortable, but I like always have to readjust myself in them. I know.
0: But one of the things that we need to let you know about is we're going to have a weekly podcast now. Yes. Yeah, We'll start going from every other week to now every week. Every week. So a lot of you have been asking for this, and we are just givers. We like to give, and we're going to give. Oh, well, I'm not.
1: <laughs> Don't put that out there. I'm looking for a man. No. <laughs> I'm going
0: to put that on Craigslist for you, Josh. Oh, God.
1: Nobody uses that. <laughs> Go to the
0: apps. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So... You're going to start finding Mystery Inc. from October 1st on, weekly. So if you aren't getting enough of the Waters Brothers, then we're here to please.
1: We're here to quench your thirst. We're here to quench your thirst. (laughs) (laughs) Do you need a tall glass of Waters? Here we are. You got a large and a medium. (laughs) Iced or hot. Right. (laughs)
0: Another thing that we want to let you know about is we have a new Facebook group that we would love for you to come join us in.
1: Join us. Siren.
0: Come be part of our new Facebook community. I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head, which I should. It's called Shane and Josh's, which I should remember that part because that's our names. Shane and Josh's rabbit hole. (laughs) I don't even have my phone with me. Let me see if I got it. see Josh is gonna to have to pull it up on his computer.
1: Hold on a minute. Shane and Josh's rabbit hole for the curiously minded.
0: There you go. So not only is it going to be for you listening for Mystery Inc. listeners, it's also going to be a home for our other podcast listeners for Foul Play Crime Series, for Hometown History, and for Rotten to the
1: Core. Yes.
0: Yeah. So it's going to be a home for all of our podcast listeners.
1: We'll have it all right there in your face. Yes, and
0: Josh and I will both be there, along with Wendy and Kim, so we're all going to be there, and we're going to be having a nice little community, so you should come join
1: us. Join us. Join us for the fun. Come, little listeners, we'll take <laughs> thee away. You can tell what I'm in the mood to watch. Oh, yeah, I would love to watch that, actually. Oh, yeah, no, there's two of them, possibly a third, I've heard rumored. I've heard we'll that, see. too. We'll see.
0: But see, at the end of the second one, of course, we're talking about... Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus, yeah. By the end of the second one, they kind of like try to end it with the older women. Maybe it's a new generation of girls. But I don't know. I feel like they could still bring the right. old ladies in there was a know. third
1: candle <laughs> yeah. yeah you know how
0: you know how disney likes to still you know they they made money on the second one they're like mm-hmm. you know we should still make some money off these people
1: well they learned a lesson in the second so they went to heaven now they're going to come back as good witches yeah. No, i don't want to see that Ugh. <laughs> Ugh.
0: well if anyone can ruin a third movie It'd be Disney.
1: The second's always hit or miss, but usually by the third and fourth, it's like, dear God, wrap it up. Yeah. Besides like Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Those were all Which I am excited
0: excited for the Harry Potter series that's supposed to be coming to. I am. Yeah. I
1: just recently saw who's going to be playing Snape. I forget his name. I thought that was a rumor. He was from like the show Girls and Star Wars. Yeah, he's from
0: Indianapolis. I can't remember his name. Oh,
1: he is so good looking. Oh, yeah, he plays his big the old ears from Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. I love big ears and a big nose. I don't know what it is,
0: but I'm pretty sure that that was a rumor. Like people were saying, "Oh, he should play Snape." You know,
1: I saw it like at first as a rumor, and then I think I saw like an official poster oh. of him. Maybe? I hope we'll see. I've not really we'll ever heard his out. British accent. Yeah. So we'll see if he can pull it off. Did you know that he lived in Indianapolis for a long time? I did not. Yeah. I'm kind of sad I didn't know that. Yeah. He was right there by my mouth and everything. <laughs> oh. He could have been in the apps at some point. Uh, Who knows? Yeah, I first B-way. watched him on the show Girls because my friend Brittany got me into it, mm. and then. On there, he you see him basically nude. And I was like, oh, I'm in love. <laughs> Look at those ears. Oh, baby.
0: Josh doesn't know his name, but he knows what his body looks like.
1: I feel like it's Adam Driver,
0: but... That sounds familiar. I could be wrong. Yeah, Driver, that sounds like that's right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Adam Driver came to the <sighs> Indy 500. My
0: Stegan watch keeps telling me to stand up. <laughs> so bossy.
1: Let me live my life. I know. Apple watch. <laughs> well,
0: so many people are addicted to so many things nowadays, you know? And I feel like I am mostly addicted to making sure that my rings are being closed on my Apple Watch now.
1: Oh, I do that on my phone on the app.
0: But I'm such a horrible person that sometimes I, well, I don't sometimes cheat. I cheat a lot. And when you're tall and you have long arms, you can trick it by thinking that you're standing up by just holding your arm all the (laughs) way up when you're sitting down <laughs> and then put, and it's like congratulations you just stood so for the next hour i can just sit down for <laughs> so if i'm going to be sitting here for an hour and a half i Kinda can just, hold your arm yeah because i don't want to ruin my streak oh yeah not know? my streak no because i'm in a challenge with other people
2: well, you God.
1: know you gotta close them rings there's a stand-up challenge
2: The detective came and knocked on the door They are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack. You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. They've been judging me damn in my whole life. You can listen now to season two of Proof wherever you get your podcasts. And follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask, did you kill Renee?
3: Listen now, go to AmericanCriminal.com or search for and follow American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Yeah, it's one of the rings. One of the rings is like standing so many hours a day. Okay. And if you close all three rings, you get this very satisfying, like, grind on the watch at the end of the day. Hmm. It's like, vroom, oh. you've completed all three Good rings. Job. Hmm. Yeah. I don't have one of those. It's like getting a sticker in
1: school. You know, like, oh,
0: congratulations, you just got a sticker. You wiped today.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You did a good job. Mom got me one, and I wore it for like maybe a week. And I'm like, I already have my phone that I have Mm -hmm. the notifications turned off on. I don't need two (laughs) devices that I don't want to notify me for anything. (laughs) I like the time, though
0: i watched the apple event and you know of course they changed the notification thing on the apple iphone to a button instead of the the switch okay. and i was like oh good now i can actually use that for something because i always keep it on silent i never right. turn the volume up I don't, like, it
1: scares me if i accidentally hit it and my text oh vel- i'm my gosh, like oh yes. oh i forgot what that noise was yes. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly you'll have a text i like, go, Dang you. What the crap is that? Right, I feel like I'm being accosted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you talk to me like that?
0: What's going on? Right?
1: Hit the deck. <laughs> Let's
0: go- who, who is this? What are you doing?
1: Well, no, I just I associate talking on the phone with like bad news. Oh yeah. So it just it gives me such anxiety. Uh I hate
0: it. Oh, you know what I hate? I hate when someone sends you a text and they're like, Can I call you? I just don't respond. Or do you have a minute? And you're like, oh my gosh, like my anxiety's at ten right now. Right? Could you have at least laid out oh, just what text you need, me. or give me a caveat? Hey, this isn't important. Can I call you for a second?
1: Right. Well, give I me like a quick
0: notice of what you need.
1: I like people to text me the news. And then let me call you with my response, Mm -hmm. especially like if it's like something juicy. Yeah. That way I can read it calmly and, you know, understand it and then call them immediately. Oh, hell no, they didn't, you Mm -hmm.
0: know. (laughs) Or if it's something long that you want to tell me and it's funny and you just don't want to type it out, say that. Say, hey, I have something funny to tell you. Call me.
1: You won't believe this. I'd like
0: that you give me just a short sentence of why you want that phone call. Mm -hmm. That way I don't have to have an anxiety attack. Right. Thinking that. Something horrible has just happened. Yeah. yeah, they've been in an
1: accident. Someone's yeah. dead.
0: Because likely my phone's on silent. I'm going to miss your phone call. Suddenly, I'm going to see I have a missed phone call. And I'm like, Oh no,
1: they're something dead. What's happened? Yeah, oh, that's always my go. Oh god, they're going to be dead in the shower. <laughs> I don't know. That's like, <laughs> that's a big fear of mine. I just don't want to be found dead naked. Oh my god, I don't want to scar those poor ambulance drivers. But like, <laughs> oh god. That's why Josh always sleeps in a dress. A very long gown. <laughs> it's a long t shirt. Says MTV and it's like a five X. I love it too, because it covers just below my underwear. So I can if I don't can't find my robe in the dark, I can still go to the bathroom and Can't find my robe in the dark. I love it. Oh yeah, I have a robe and house slippers. I like look at me. I dress like an elderly person. I mean I'm wearing a cardigan, a button-up, and a tank top.
0: Is that three layers? That is three yes. shirt layers.
1: It's. It was chilly outside this it morning. Was
0: How cold is it? It is seventy-three.
1: Yeah, and I'm. If it's below, if it's below seventy Fahrenheit, a sweater. I'm wearing tight, and it was like forty this morning. It was brisk. No, oh, bless
0: your
1: heart. <laughs> well, Shane, let's. I'll let you start this time. Okay, so. To the mystery. Yes. So
0: my mystery, I remember very clearly when this happened
1: because the world was getting frustrated. You promised you would not tell anyone. <laughs> <I'm
0: just kidding. laughs> I feel like I'm losing my voice.
1: Welcome to fall. We get a switch from our summer allergies mm. to our fall allergies. It's cr- time for a crime con too. So there were
0: so much news reports over this when this was happening. And it's something that, that had always stuck with me. And I remember constantly turning on the news to try to check for updates. So what I'm talking about is the Malaysia Airlines Flight 370. Oh, yes. When it disappeared. So on the late evening of March 7th, 2014, slash the early morning of March 8th, Malaysia Airlines flight MH370 disappeared. This was a Boeing 777-200ER. It prepares for a routine flight from Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, to Beijing, China. Now, departure is scheduled for 1241 a.m. local time. It takes off at the time that it's supposed to. Nothing is abnormal it's an international airport it's busy it's very very early that morning like i said it's just after midnight as they get on the plane the red eye exactly passengers are preparing to board the flight they start saying their goodbyes to family and friends and they start the boarding procedure everything seemed normal and nothing seemed out of place no one ever reported anything being abnormal And at this point, none of them has any idea that everyone on that plane will soon go missing. This will soon become one of the most perplexing aviation mysteries in history. Despite extensive search and investigation efforts, the majority of the plane has never been found, and the reason for its disappearance remains unknown. Many people become affected by what is about to happen as the plane takes off, governments, aviation authorities, investigators, and most importantly, the families of the 239 people aboard
1: the plane. I can't believe it's almost been a decade. I know it's such a when long time When you said 2014, ago. I was like, my you god, just want to throw up, doesn't it? Oh, we were so young. Oh,
0: I know, young and dumb. So, Josh, with my mystery today, I'm going to walk through the key players involved in the disappearance and the investigation, I'll present the major theories that have been proposed, and I'll talk about the lingering questions that continue to haunt experts and the public alike. So the flight was expected to last around 5 hours and 34 minutes. They were supposed to be covering 2,700 miles. The experienced pilot in command of the plane is 53-year-old Captain Zahara Ahmad Saha who had 18,365 hours of flying experience, so he was well-qualified as a captain. First officer was 27-year-old Farik Abdul Hamid, who had 2,763 hours of flight time. Manning the cabin was a seasoned crew of 10 people who were trained to handle various in-flight scenarios. And there were no red flags or indications of any kind of potential trouble concerning the crew on this flight. The passenger manifest included 227 people from 15 countries. Most of the people were from China and Malaysia. There were some other nationalities, like Australia, the United States, Canada, and France. These were business people, tourists, and there were also some entire families on board. Because of the wide range of nationalities that was on board during this incident, it would become a matter of international concern, drawing in governments from around the world. So the plane takes off from runway 32R, and the weather was clear, and the takeoff was reported as routine. There were no distress calls or any indication of technical issues. On board, there was enough fuel to reach Beijing, and they had enough fuel for contingencies, which is really standard practice, just in case if there's a problem with the plane. Right. They were going over the ocean, correct? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Better have enough fuel. Yeah, because you never know what might happen. I mean, I'm sure you heard in the news here recently where this is so embarrassing, but did you hear where that lady had a little mishap? You know what I'm talking about?
1: I don't recall. She,
0: like, had a little poo incident on the plane. No. And it, like, went all the <gasps> way, like, down the aisle. Ew, and they had to, like, turn around the plane. Yeah. And it was, it was like, a long flight. They had to turn around the plane. Oh. Yeah.
1: That's and, like, gross, but I feel bad for oh, her. Oh, I know. I fl- you know, she I fl- didn't I fl- do that on purpose. No, I know. I hope. I right. hope to God. No, Ooh. I mean,
0: you couldn't. But also, like, you know, some people have really bad anxiety flying. Right. And you just imagine. I would have just died. <clears throat> oh, I know. Like, so many people now know about it. Cause it, I mean, it, it was all over the news when it happened. She's gonna have to quit her job. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't.
0: I, hopefully no one has released her name. Oh God. But can you imagine like that is how, like, you know, everyone knows the story and you know, that is you. You're the blame like, shitter. And then like, you know, you have to be, like, be in the scenario where you hear about it. And you're just like, oh my gosh, that was me. I mean, I feel so horrible with,
1: for that oh. person. <gasps> Go to the doctor and it's on the TV. But it's
0: like your worst nightmare, you know, because like I would absolutely hate for that to happen. So oh, I yes. feel, oh my gosh, that would give me such bad anxiety.
1: I would just curl up in a ball oh and die. Gosh. Just throw me out the door. But I have flown several times, but... I love how you chose this topic right before you're getting know. on a
0: plane. R.I.P., right? <laughs> so my very first flight flying out of Indianapolis, I was flying to Colorado, to Denver, and it was fine. On the way back, though, from Denver, the landing gear wouldn't come out. So we had to fly around Indianapolis for the landing God. gear to come out. And so at some point, we're flying around in like a circle. And the pilot gets on and he's like, well, if we can't get that landing to gear to come out, we're going to have to try to land and it'll mm. be basically a crash landing. Oh my God. And I'm just thinking, well, this is how I go. right? You know, second oh, flight I've ever had. And this is how it ends, you know. But thankfully, it ended up coming out. So we ended up being okay. I'd be asking people, who has a
1: Xanax? Yeah. Something.
0: Well, last year, I think it was last year, maybe the year before that. But I was flying out of Atlanta, I think it was. It was on a Delta flight. We were on the runway getting ready to take off. And as the plane gets ready to, you know, take off, it suddenly slows down. And slows to almost a creep and then turns off the runway and the pilot gets on and he's like hey guys sorry we're gonna have to have maintenance come out our battery is dead they're gonna have to change our battery and i thought are there not extra batteries that will just kick in
1: i think i got a double a in my bag (laughs) and i just
0: thought of all the technology that we have in this world there are not like four or five Batteries on a plane. Right. Some extra And he didn't know that the battery was dead right. or dying until we were taking off. You checked that before. Yeah, there I mean my car and the car before that would tell me if there was a problem with the battery. Right. He just hit a plane. The plane didn't know. You know? And I'm just thinking, what if we were in the air and the battery died? Oh, we're God. just gonna glide. Just you glide know, on down world? to a
1: crash. Yeah. I Ooh. just
0: thought Oh my gosh, so we're just like chilling out on the side of the runway with a dead battery waiting for them to change this battery, and I just thought, uh-uh. should I just get off this plane?
1: I would. <laughs> I need a new plane.
0: Yeah, I was just sitting here talking to the lady next to me, and I'm like, did you know that the batteries could just die like this? Like, surely they have... I mean, I'm thinking there should be three batteries.
1: Right. There At least be two.
0: the working one, a backup, and the oh crap backup yeah. back to the backup. You oh, know? the
1: backup wasn't charged. Let's put another. Yeah,
0: let's put a backup to the backup. Oh. If they need to pitch in some money for that, then, you know, people will gladly pay for a backup to a backup.
1: i going to start bringing my own checklist next time I no fly. Kidding.
0: But, geez.
1: The struggle is real.
0: Yeah, so... They apparently give them enough fuel for some contingencies, but an extra battery on a
1: plane, they can forget that. Asking too much now.
0: (laughs) So the aircraft followed its approved flight plan. It initially headed northwest over the Malay Peninsula. It was in communication with air traffic control, and everything appeared to be proceeding as expected. Air traffic control handed off the flight to the next control center as per standard procedure. Up until this point, there are no signs of trouble. All systems were go, and the passengers and the crew just likely assumed it was a routine flight. As the aircraft flies over the South China Sea, it transfers between the Malaysian and the Vietnamese airspace. At 1.19 a.m., the last verbal communication comes through to air traffic control. It's co-pilot, first officer, Farik Abdul-Amid, and he said, Good night, Malaysian 370. Now, this is a standard phrase used to signify a handoff between air traffic control centers, so the message did not indicate trouble at all okay. on board. Now, just two minutes later, at 1.21 a.m., the transponder, which communicates the plane's position... Is turned off or it fails. They're not sure which the battery one. died. <laughs> so the transponder is a device that sends out a signal providing the aircraft's location, speed, and altitude to air traffic control. So at 121 a.m. So again, this is two minutes after that last message was received, the transponder signal was lost abruptly. And this caused the aircraft to vanish from civilian radar screens. So air traffic control could no longer see the plane. This is not normal. And it better not be. <laughs> right? And it should have triggered concerns at the air traffic control center. What we do know is what led to a lot of anger, frustration, mostly anger, I think, of the Malaysian Airlines is that they didn't immediately notify anyone, really, that they had lost the signal from the plane
1: yet. Right. It, that it should took be them, like a really big red flag. Yeah.
0: It took them a while before they notified them. And there is like a standard like notification period of when you should notify when you lose the signal. That way you can have an emergency plan put in place. And they went outside of that realm by far so I'm
1: picturing a guy in a security outfit asleep staring at the screen right. you know.
0: yeah and you know maybe the deal was they just thought oh well it might just not be working you know right. whatever it is
1: oh the battery died again that's common Some <laughs> right. we don't know <laughs>
0: right so the flight was initially following a northerly route over the south china sea heading towards the vietnamese airspace if I can get this piece of paper. There
1: we go. He's got soft hands. They (laughs) don't even grip paper. Smooth.
0: At 1.22 a.m., the aircraft diverted. From this planned course, it turned sharply west, flying back across the Malay Peninsula. So it completely turns. Now, although it was invisible to civilian radar, it's important to know that it's still detectable by military radar by some governments. Okay. So although at this time, when it's not showing on air traffic controls radar, you know, the military can still see it. The military is not necessarily looking for it because they're not notified immediately that they should be looking for this. Right. But later on, when they're doing the investigation, the military does pick up on the plane that's how we do know that it did turn sharply after the signal had already been turned Mm. off that's why we know that so someone turned it off someone turned it off or it failed somehow it's really unclear well just the fact that it turned around right afterwards that like it's very bizarre "Mm, that's sketchy yeah why would it turn you know normally planes aren't turning on their own right yeah and staying in the air for as long as it did, which I'll explain in a minute. One of the most puzzling aspects of the diversion is the absence of any communication from the plane indicating distress or any issues. Standard protocol would require pilots to notify air traffic control if a course change is necessary due to an emergency, but of course none is made. Although the aircraft's transponder was off it was still sending automated pings to a ground station via satellite now these pings they don't specify a location but it does give general information about the plane's distance from the satellite the pings happen roughly every hour and the last ping occurred at 8:10 a.m. the data leads investigators to believe the plane took a southern route between Indonesia and the Southern Indian Ocean, there was also an incomplete ping that happened at eight nineteen a.m., which means that there was some kind of interruption, and this was the last transmission of any kind that was received from the plane. So, from this time frame, that eight nineteen a.m. could have been the time that the plane may have ran out of gas okay. and may have crashed. So, we're talking about the time that it diverted at 1 a.m and it would have stayed in the air up until 8 19 a.m oh so seven hours
1: Oof. so that's a long time to be going nowhere yeah. and if you're a passenger just like terrified yeah weren't we supposed to land a little while ago <laughs>
0: right and with how quickly they diverted i mean if you're on board the plane you would notice that the plane is doing a huge turn yeah so like you know. why
1: would we just do a u-turn are we yeah. going back
0: right so the theories behind this entire mystery is really never-ending so i'm going to talk about some of the biggest theories the first one is a pilot hijacking now there have been times in recent history where pilots have hijacked the plane that they've been flying and have purposely crashed it so some theorize that either the captain or the first officer may have intentionally done this. They could have taken over the plane and diverted it. Now, if you've been on a plane and you've ever paid attention to the cockpit, what normally happens when a pilot takes over the plane is they normally try to get the other person out of the cockpit because the door will lock the person out you have to like open it from the inside yeah so if you can get them out you know after 911 they try to make sure that that door is impenetrable mm-hmm. you know so you can't just break that door down so if you can get them just out then you can do whatever to the plane from the cockpit so that's what in the past these pilots who have taken over the plane have done they have gotten the co-pilot or the pilot out of the cockpit and they've taken over the plane. So the theory goes is if the captain or the first officer took over the plane, they could have just done that. They could have gotten the other person out of the cockpit in any of the flights that I've been on, which I typically only fly Delta. Normally you never have just one person in the cockpit. Anytime they do a switch out, like if someone has to go to the bathroom, they always have a member of the crew first enter the cockpit and then the second person can leave okay so there's always two people in the cockpit i thought it was just courtesy courtesy Yeah. yeah so you'll never have a scenario where there's only one person so i'm not sure what the airline's policy was at that time if that was the case right so some people believe that maybe the pilot or first officer got the other person out and was able to take over the plane. Or it's possible that they tried to overpower the other person and you knock him out. Yeah. And then take over the plane from that instance. What we know though is that there was no sign of anything being wrong until the plane gets diverted a couple minutes after that last message goes through. And at that point in time, at least the first officer was in there.
1: Right. So And if, I mean, if it was an issue, surely they would have at least attempted contact. Mayday, yeah. mayday.
0: Yeah, and it's also important to know that after this all happened, of course, everyone looked at the captain and the first officer because they already have access to the cockpit. And know how to turn stuff on and off. Yeah, on. and they know how to fly a plane. And so whoever did it had to know how to fly a plane for so many hours, you Right. Know? so... Just not how to land it, apparently. (laughs) So so how ideal, (laughs) they were already there. You know, they already had the opportunity. So professionals looked at them and looked at their lives, broke it down, and they really couldn't find any evidence to support a theory of one of them having the background to do it. Neither of them showed signs of depression in their life. Neither of them showed signs, you know, that they were setting up to do this in any of their lives the first officer i believe had recently got married and you know had been planning had for a lot of things in his for, life
1: yeah like my dog
0: the only thing that i found that was a little weird was with the captain in his house he had a flight simulator and on one of the flight logs in the simulator they were able to find that he did run a simulation, which was an instance where the plane had lost fuel and eventually crashed at some point. However, the authorities believed that because there were so many instances flown on the simulator, that it really wasn't proof of anything because there right. were so many different scenarios. He was just trying to practice at his job, not, yeah. you
1: know, concoct a plan of destruction. Yeah,
0: there was no evidence, you know, that that's why he had flown that simulation. So... There was also one with snakes in the plane. Right. You don't see that. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I thought was a little funny, too, is as I was reading through those reports, people were like, yeah, they didn't show signs of any depression or anxiety, they weren't on medicine for any of those things, so maybe they didn't do it. And I just thought, oh, I'm thought on medicine for anxiety. They right. thought I, f- <laughs> I did it.
1: Jeez. They did it. They were depressed. Yeah. They hated life, and they wanted them all dead. <laughs> That's
0: what I thought too. I was like, Dang. my
1: God, beg be- me, beg my pardon. I know.
0: Do <laughs> you imagine people will think that you did that just because you were on anxiety medicine?
1: I've thought about that because I've heard that before, and like rotten people, I've researched and everything in and the like. But they were depressed and had social anxiety right. and were reclusive. And I'm like, does not mean you want to like I know I don't want to hurt nobody. I just want them to leave me alone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so another theory is mechanical failure. It's possible that there was a catastrophic mechanical failure that led to the plane's diversion and then its eventual disappearance. It's important to note that Boeing 777s have a solid safety record, but there's no aircraft that is entirely immune to mechanical issues. But in order to prove this theory, we would need to find some debris that would indicate a mechanical failure of some kind. Right. Something. Yeah. Another theory is hijacking or sabotage. That Many governments have looked into the passenger list, but no individual has been found to have the motive... The means or the opportunity to carry this out. There were two people found to have fake passports on board, but they were found to be illegal immigrants, and it's believed that it wasn't related to the flight. Okay. Another theory is what they call the depressurization theory, and that theory goes that maybe the aircraft has a slow or a sudden cabin depressurization that rendered the entire crew and passengers unconscious now the autopilot could still allow the plane to run until it runs out of fuel but the problem with that theory is that deliberate change in the flight path because it diverts and then it changes from the flight path so you're talking about an autopilot that isn't autopiloting you know it's diverting and then it's ai autopilot Right. I'm
1: going go this way. It, right. Exactly.
0: Now, another theory is that it was shut down accidentally.
1: Did I do that?
0: Right. And I remember this theory was pretty popular at the time. So for this one, it's thought that maybe someone's military shot it down by accident. Which, if you think about it, if these military radars are picking up this object and the Malaysia Airlines... Aren't doing a very good job at communicating that this flight has gone off the radar. Maybe they witched it down. You know, I mean,
1: it's bigger than a Chinese weather balloon. I can see <laughs> right. them doing that.
0: Well they probably let it fly all over the U.S. before they shoot it down. <laughs> I know. But anyway,
1: we could scrap that. <laughs>
0: right. So maybe that is a possibility that someone's military did shoot it down and didn't want they to just confess. didn't want. Yeah, because of all the different countries involved in it,
1: we ain't taking the blame. Right.
0: Now, normally, this is brought up by skeptics, though, who question the lack of military radar data from some countries. Now, there are governments in that area who strongly deny this as a possibility. And there has been no evidence that has been shown to be found that would support that theory as well. You okay. know, there's, there's no wreckage that shows that, yeah, it's been shot down or you know, no footage or any data that shows that it's classified any of that (laughs) right right so that is my mystery for today for my unmasked episode i will have a couple more theories that i thought was very interesting aliens maybe (laughs) but i do have some more theories to discuss and some more information that i
1: found very interesting oh good yeah yeah i remember it happening. It's just been so long ago, almost 10 years. I know. That I like, I mean, as you tell me stuff, I'm remembering it, but it was gone out of my memory. I know.
0: Well, there's, I remember watching the news when it first disappeared. I remember hearing from, I think it was like a spokesperson from the Malaysian Airlines getting in front of all the news people and all the family members of the passengers and they would be like okay you know um so we can't find the plane we're not sure where it's at but we're searching for it in this ocean We're pretty sure it's there we should find it and the next day they'd be like well we still can't find the plane we're still searching for it in this ocean hopeful for the black box yeah and then the next day they're like well we've been searching in the wrong ocean And I think at some point, like one of the family members looked like they were about to just tackle him to the ground. And each day, just to hear him say, We still don't know where the plane is. And I'm just thinking,
1: How in the world could someone turn off a device, like a tracking device? Right. You think it would be like unable to be turned off?
0: Yeah, put that somewhere where someone can't turn it off. Yeah, on the top. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And just like the backup battery that I. talked about put a backup tracker mm-hmm. on that sucker all these i'm gonna have to start looking up like what are they allowed to do do on they planes? need the waters brothers to jump on i know b- boeing i'll grab my clipboard and be there
0: yeah let us know
1: we'll help you figure it out where's this bolt at i just see a hole it needs a bolt in it right geez well when we flew to las vegas there was a part of our plane where, like the plastic connection was coming loose. It was maybe about like an inch crack. And you could see like the insulation. Mm -hmm. But my first time on a plane, I'm like, is our plane splitting in (laughs) half? Like I'm thinking like the Titanic and I'm right on the part where it (laughs) splits. So I'll have all the fun. Like I got to go hide in the bathroom for a minute. Excuse me. (laughs) Well, my mystery for today is a little similar to yours about disappearances Mm. and whatnot. I love when this happens. Well, you've heard of the Bermuda Triangle and all the eerie things that happen there. Alien sightings, ship and plane disappearances. Or my belief that it is a possible portal between dimensions that allows the passing from one world to another. I had never heard about a second triangle that is a little closer to home. The state directly above Shane and I is Michigan, Michigan. And it is no stranger to unusual things happening. However, I think the color of the water in Flint, Michigan is the strangest of them all. <laughs> right. Michigan is home to over 19 million acres of woods, and it is also home to the American auto industry, the largest freshwater coastline, and one of the world's largest lakes, Lake Michigan. We know it well. We mm-hmm. vacation there. I think more places than any of his children. Oh, I'm sure. Michigan was once a mile-thick glacier that has since melted and formed the Great Lakes. Lake Michigan has a water surface of around 22,000 square miles and touches Michigan, Indiana, Illinois, and Wisconsin. It has an average depth of 280 feet and a maximum depth of 925 feet, which is as deep as the Chrysler Building is tall. Did not know that when we were swimming in it as no kids.
3: Kidding.
1: All I remember is it was cold. Mm-hmm. Even in the middle of summer, that water is cold. Its name comes from the native Ojibwa tribe, who called it Michigami, meaning large lake. Due to its strong and unpredictable currents, Lake Michigan is considered the most dangerous of all the Great Lakes. Didn't know that either just swam at it as (laughs) kids. No wonder mom was so freaked out. She couldn't ever swim, so she didn't like us in the water either. Right. And we used to like to play I'm dead, you know, floating upside down. The lake is also home to the largest collection of freshwater dunes in the world. If you've never been to Dune National Park here in Indiana, I would highly recommend it. They are really spectacular to see and explore, but I would suggest a walking stick. Sand hills and climbing, just take it out of me more than three men in an alleyway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's Indiana's only national park.
1: Yes, it's oh, it's so cool there. I've never been there actually. It's really cool. The sand dunes are huge. There's part of them that have like forests growing on them, so you like walk up this. Oh, some of them have like wooden steps that you can walk up, so you don't have to climb up because I think some of them can be up to seven hundred feet tall. Oh wow! And there's one that it's a beach. And it's the beach is right at the end of the sand dune, and there's signs everywhere because it's very steep that says, If you cannot make it up this hill, do not come down because you'll have to be rescued. And like it even said, the rescue was like several thousand dollars if you couldn't get back up it. I'm like, Shoot, I'm just gonna go get the car and a rope. I'll have you up there. (laughs) Put this inner tube around you, we'll make fun. Shane, did you know that the glass from the ball jars that are made in our hometown, Muncie, were made from the sand that was brought in from trains from Lake Michigan?
0: I did. And the reason I knew that was because Indiana was selling the sand from up there, and they also sold it to Chicago to help level the ground for all the downtown buildings. Okay, Indiana was, you know... When you're a state, I guess, you just find whatever you can sell. <laughs> Take they are sand. Yeah, they had a lot of sand up there. And so they sold a lot of that sand to the Ball Corporation. And they sold a lot of it
1: for Phil to Chicago. Hmm. Yeah. I know now it is all the sand dunes are like protected because mm-hmm. of like it, they're the largest freshwater ones in the world. And they don't want them to disappear. Right. Now, before you all ask, no, I'm not doing a travel ad for Michigan. I'm just laying down the history of the place before I dive into the mystery. Not too far from Dunes National Park, almost directly above it, you will find the tip of an invisible triangle, much like the one in Bermuda. While you can't physically see it, if you happen to find yourself sailing within it, keep your wits about you because you might come face-to-face with the unknown. While it is uncommon for ships and boats to sink while sailing the waters of Lake Michigan, there seems to be a higher amount within the Lake Michigan Triangle. The Triangle stretches from Ludington to Benton Harbor and then to Manitowoc, Wisconsin. Huge ships and even commercial airlines have vanished while traveling over the Triangle. No, not the Malaysian one. There have also been numerous UFO and USO sightings as well, unidentified submersible objects. Didn't know there were so many names for all these things.
0: <laughs> well, as soon as it becomes a hearing, they'll change it.
1: Yeah, that's what <laughs> made me think of it that last episode. Yeah. What is it, UAP or yeah. something? I only remember that because when you said it the first time, I was like, oh, that sounds like WAP. <laughs> <laughs> Hope there ain't one of them in the sky Oh, God on me The first ship known to have disappeared While sailing within the Triangle Was called Le Griffin And it went missing in 1679 But it wasn't until 1977 When a book called The Great Lakes Triangle came out That the frequency of disappearances Shipwrecks and plane crashes Within the Great Lakes was first mentioned
2: A detective came and knocked on the door
3: Listen now. Go to AmericanCriminal.com or search for and follow American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts.
1: In the time between, numerous more ships disappeared and even Northwest Orient Airlines Flight 2501, which was carrying 55 passengers and three crew members. It went missing in 1950 after reportedly descending over the triangle to avoid a storm. See, I told you it was partially connected. <laughs> when you said plane, I was like, hey, this is a little bit of mine. Neither the plane nor the passengers were ever seen again. And just like the Bermuda Triangle, the reasons behind the disappearances are like asses. Everyone has one and some are shitty. <laughs> it's one of my favorite sayings. From it being the strong currents that the lake is known for, Aliens that are interfering with humans as part of the deal that the government has with them. We all know about it. You're not fooling anyone. (laughs) I watch a lot of alien shows, as you all know. Mm -hmm. Even that they are ley line areas that intersect with ancient structures. Ley lines are straight alignments drawn between various historical structures, prehistoric sites, and prominent landmarks. The idea of them was developed in the early 20th century with ley line believers arguing that these alignments were recognized by ancient societies that deliberately erected structures along them. Since the 1960s, members of the Earth Mysteries Movement and other esoteric traditions have commonly believed that such ley lines are Earth energies and serve as guides for alien spacecrafts. Now, when you think of the United States, you don't generally think about ancient history. Our country is just under 250 years old, but it does have a rich and ancient history that goes back several millennia. I think the earliest known human interactions with our continent has been traced back, I believe it was 25,000 years ago. Mm. These lands were home to a multitude of native societies long before colonial white devils took it from them. They have been living here so long, in fact, that there is a second mystery under the waters of Lake Michigan that plays into the ley line theories. I discovered this while I was researching the triangle. and I was like, (laughs) I'm just going to include it. There wasn't enough information to do a whole episode. (laughs) Called America's underwater Stonehenge, Mm -hmm. it is located near Michigan's Grand Traverse Bay. It is a stone structure that wasn't discovered until 2007 thanks to sonar equipment. Mark Hawley, a professor of underwater archaeology, was originally looking for shipwrecks, but instead found some boats and cars and stumbled upon an archaeological surprise at a depth of around 40 feet Once divers were able to go down and investigate, they confirmed that it was a man-made structure of stones in a circle pattern, as well as a big stone with a mastodon carved in it. The boulder with the mastodon carving is 3.5 to 4 feet high and about 5 feet long. If it is indeed true, that would put its age at around 10,000 years, since that was the post-ice age when humans and mastodons would have lived in the area together. I found this so interesting. <laughs> <laughs> if you listeners want to look up the image of it, it is pretty cool. The carving of the Mastodon is pretty clear for its age, and the layout of the stone structure is clearly man made. Nature don't make circles. Right. It is difficult for divers to go down and explore it. Remember those currents Lake Michigan is famous for, and visibility can be bad. So there isn't currently a lot. Of information about it. The exact location is also being kept secret for preservation. The Anishinaabe people, who have lived in the area for thousands of years, believe that their ancestors placed the stones there for sacred purposes before the waters of Lake Michigan began to rise as the glacier melted. In their culture, they refer to stones as animate objects because they come from Mother Earth, who is alive. They even call the stones Mishomas which means grandfather the site is very sacred and historical to them and it proves that their ancestors were among the first to live there and further ties them to the land so if you ever find yourself on a trip or live near Lake Michigan keep an eye peeled for the unknown you never know what might be waiting to be discovered beneath the waves of one of the world's largest lakes
0: that was pretty good
1: yeah, there wasn't too much information about it, but they were such neat. I'm like, it's right above us. How have I never know? We swam there. <laughs> I could have disappeared and no one would have ever known. Ugh. <laughs> Who's going to save me? Before I get to bless your heart, we would like to give a special thank you, Jesus, to some of our loyal patrons. Jen H., Leslie C., Nicholas J., and Kathy K. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We couldn't do this podcast without your support. And if that ain't the truth, and the grits ain't groceries, and the eggs ain't poultry, we are so blessed <laughs> we could step in manure and come out smelling like a rose. Oh, isn't that beautiful? I put two in there that time. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> and then, do you want to do your review? And then I'll finish yeah. with,
0: bless your heart.
1: So Joshua, review for this
0: episode is from Kathy KGR sounds like she might be from Russia. No, hey, kidding. girl. <laughs> hey, them. So Kathy says that we are very entertaining, and her review is this. I fell in love with Shane when I heard him on an older episode of Generation Y. I found Foul Play Crime Series and blew through all the episodes, including the bonus Mystery Inc. episode, which made me fall in love with Josh, too. Well, thank you. Now I'm making my way through Mystery Inc., and we'll have to check out Hometown History and Rotten to the Core. You two are so much fun to listen to. I love your approach to the topics, especially your compassion for victims that society considers undesirable. I love your casual banter. Very entertaining. I rarely leave reviews, but I wanted you to know that your work is appreciated. Keep up the great work.
1: Well, thank you, ma'am. That is so sweet. That was very kind of you, Kathy. That is when we started doing podcasting. That was one of my fears is that maybe my humor wouldn't translate as Mm. humor in some of the more sensitive topics. And I'm glad that people are understanding that we make light of the topics so we don't get down and depressed yeah. because I mean we go through some pretty heavy things in all of our yeah. podcasts and
0: and I think also for me foul play crime series is always so serious yes and deep. And the series that I'm releasing right now is about this serial killer who tortured his victims. And even when I was recording it, it was so hard for me to record. In my voice, I noticed when I was editing it that my voice is very weak and I was recording it unknowingly at the time I was recording it very weak because of the content. It was bothering me so bad. Oh yeah. So sometimes that content is absolutely horrendous, but I'm a firm believer in history and I consider true crime to be history. I'm a firm believer that it's very important to share history, even the bad parts of history. For example, when I was in Germany about a month ago now, I think, I went to a concentration camp, Dachau. And at the concentration camp, you can go into the gas chambers. Some people felt that it was too emotional to go into them. And, you know, I understand that. And I also think that for some people, I think some people don't want to hear about concentration camps because of the negative emotion that you get when you hear about what happened. Right. You know, like how bad that makes us feel to know that people were hurting so bad. But I think for my perspective on all of this is that when we don't talk about these things, that allows the people who did it to do those things in history and they get away with it in some essence.
1: Yeah, people forget. and Yeah. No, you need to be reminded. Yeah,
0: so in that instance, when people don't go into concentration camps or go into gas chambers and they don't see the history that happened there, they don't read about it, they don't see the pictures, they don't see the chambers, they allow the Nazis to to get away with this, with this knowledge of what actually happened. And I think that ultimately those negative people in history who did these horrible things, that's what they want. They right. want people to not want to hear about it and not want to see it and just move on with their lives. Just forget
1: and forgive. Yeah, just tear it down and just forget that it happened and move on. See, I... I view that sort of stuff as like, if I were there, I would have went into it and it would have been emotional, of course, but I look at it like all these people that have died here, if no one learns about them, then they're just forgotten and we need to learn about them. So their memory lives on. I mean, you know, we don't know all their names and everything, but even if like you see the pile of shoes or the pile of wedding rings, like... Yes, all those people died horribly and they went through horrible things, but they lived long, most, you know, some of them long and happy lives up until that point. And they need to be remembered.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think with Mystery Inc., you know, not only does it allow us and you listening a space to have a lighter conversation when it comes to crime and mysteries, if you don't want that, you know, deeper, darker story... It gives you a lighter space where you are with two friends hearing these stories, but also it still allows you to experience these stories. And for me, I think that's important. I think we still need that exposure. And even when we get to, you know, like for example, my topic today was the Malaysian Airlines Flight 370. You know, we can still joke about some aspects of that case and make some light of some of the things that happened in it. But I think that's important because I know that with some crime and some mysteries, if we don't lighten the storytelling up a little bit, some people won't listen, right? and we're going to miss an audience. And if we miss the audience, you know, even in true crime when the case is unsolved, if you miss an audience, it might not catch the right people mm-hmm. who might know something. So with Mystery Inc., we have an opportunity to lighten the story a little bit and to have it be a more relaxed narrative and a fun experience and so it's been a pretty new experience for both of us we're coming up to a year oh my I think, god i think we started around thanksgiving yeah because i remember the first episode you were like it's thanksgiving <laughs> thanksgiving because i remember you said thanksgiving
1: <laughs> that's how you say it, ain't it <laughs> yeah
0: so i think we're coming up to almost a year but it's been a learning curve of How do you do mysteries and have a conversation, make it light, but also respectable? Yeah, respectable and allow you to have a conversation and joke and still return to your topic. And, you know, also knowing that you're not going to please everyone because not everyone likes banter. Right. And, but we still want you to feel like you are sitting here with two friends. Not everybody and, has that. Yeah, not everyone has that in their life. And sometimes we just need to step away from life and have two friends who can tell you a cool mystery or a deep mystery.
1: And you can hear us think we're funny and hard jokes. Yeah, you can hear us <laughs> laugh at each
0: other. And you might think that we are just, you might be laughing at us actually for this. But
1: Ayo, whatever gets people laughing better exactly. than hate and anger. Exactly. <laughs>
0: Well, Josh, why don't you tell us your bless your heart story?
1: Yes, well, my bless your heart for today comes from Arlington, Texas. I chose it because not only is it a good thing, but because of Shane and your work with Gemma. I was happy that there were still nuns who were protecting their flock. Hashtag nuns too. (laughs) In August, a group of nuns took over their monastery and banned the local bishop from the property. Oh my gosh. Stating that they no longer recognize the authority of the Fort Worth Diocese and their officials are no longer welcome in their monastery. The Discalced Carmelite nuns of Arlington revolted and sued the diocese as well as their bishop, Michael Olson, after their Reverend Mother Superior, Teresa Agnes Gerlach, was accused of violating her vow of chastity. The nuns reported that Olson and the diocese officials showed up and confiscated the nuns' phones and tablets and began interrogating them all over the accusation.
0: They took away their
1: Facebook. I was mm. kind of shocked. I was like, I didn't realize nuns had phones. For some reason, I like think of them as like Amish almost, oh. you know, not a none of the extras. When did they do this? This was this year.
0: Well, you have to remember like something that I learned when working on sister Kathy's case with Gemma is that, so sister Kathy was murdered or she disappeared in, you know, they found her body in 70, but she disappeared in 69. I guess around that time, uh, prior to that, there was a more conservative view of nuns, but at that point in time, they were being a little bit more outgoing and they were able to dress in more public clothing okay and able to be like going into public schools and doing a little bit more
1: outreach i think of like i guess my only real experience with any type of nun is from sister act the movie mm, yeah so i think of like oh you get a room <laughs> and a, a desk and a chair and yeah. that welcome to it <laughs> Your new husband is Jesus. Scrub the floor. Right. <laughs> Don't act happy. Uh, we've
0: had a sister on the podcast. I can't remember what her name is, but she's a pretty well-known journalist, actually. Okay. Her, maybe Sister Judy.
1: Sister, sister.
0: Yeah. But she talks about how it all works, and she's a rather liberal
1: nun. I'm intrigued by it. And yeah. I think the fact that they can devote their lives to you know what they believe in, sure. that's Marvelous, more power to them. And
0: Catholicism is very interesting. I do think that they need some women in power. So, I like think that Sister, I think it's Sister Judy, I might just be calling her by the wrong name at this point, but she was talking about how she believed that they needed some women higher up in the church. And I definitely agree. You know, I think some men have done some wrong. They mm-hmm. need, to, I mean, put put a woman as Pope. You right. Know, and let's see how she does. Because I don't these think she's going to be
1: touching no babies. Right. You're right? Somebody's, Not all of them But I mean Every other day enough. there's a news article About right. another one right? But they want to blame us drag queens I'm just saying right? The Reverend Mother was dismissed shortly After that when Father Jonathan Charles Wallace Claimed that she had admitted To breaking her chastity vow to him Although there was no evidence That that conversation took place All the sisters Filed a one million dollar lawsuit Against the bishop and diocese I'm, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Diocese. I've only heard it diocese 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 okay yeah. the bishop and the diocese alleging an abuse of power defamation and theft of their electronic devices.
0: You don't take away people's Facebook y'all don't take
1: the nuns phones they have no, so they can't they, be with a man they have so little like, to my work God with. literally my God or their God whatever look, look they gotta have that porn hub they can't right. be with them. oh Jesus. their little callous beans are just so sore <laughs> <laughs> it was initially dismissed by a Texas judge GTL
0: BTL
1: <laughs> what's that mean
0: Praise the Lord. Oh,
1: praise the Lord. You don't know what
0: PTL is?
1: Just WWJD. Right. I've got one that says WWDD. What would Dolly do?
0: Oh, that's hilarious.
1: It was initially dismissed by a Texas judge in June after Oslin's lawyer successfully argued that the matter was an issue of the church and outside of the civil court's jurisdiction. The nuns do plan to appeal the ruling, but they still aren't giving up their personal rights and autonomy. They pledge to keep the monastery under their own authority until Olson repents. A quote from one of the sisters. No one who abuses us, as the current bishop of Fort Worth, has any right to our cooperation or obedience. For our own spiritual and psychological safety and injustice... We must remain independent of this bishop until such time as he repents to the abuse to which he has subjected us and apologizes in person to our community for it and accepts to make due public reparation. Well, my heart goes out to all of you sisters, and I hope that the truth will come up to light for all of you and your home. Bless all of your hearts for not putting up with abuse and violation of your rights love and light to you all. And might I suggest a page from Game of Thrones if he does repent. It involves stripping him naked, cutting his hair off, and having him publicly walk through a crowd while you ring a bell and chant, shame, Mm -hmm. shame, shame. Don't forget to join us on Unmasked for a little more about the mysteries of Michigan and Malaysian Flight 370 and some other connections with the ancient past that are all near the Triangle and... Underwater Stonehenge. All right, we'll see you there. Bye. Bye.